Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, this sucks. Me too. Uh, cool. Where are we hitting you up from? Uh, I'm in Sheridan, Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming. Nice. Yeah. Must be yeah. beautiful down there. It is. It is. Where are you at? Up in BC? We're up in BC getting hammered with... Mm. We had a wicked year this year. We got... Right now, the lower mainland's getting washed away. Floods. Oh. Mm-hmm. And uh, the forest fires in the summer were just brutal. So. Oh, I bet. Man. It's like... Oh. Uh, it's like being in a wave pool right now for yeah. for us up here but jeez huh yeah. yeah no it's it's been a mild fall down here it's been a great hunting season in wyoming for sure so yeah yeah that's one thing i go going ahead a good hunting season so good that's good that's yeah. always good cool man so um it might be a little monotonous here but i was kind of hoping we could just talk a bit of you know the chronology of of kind of you know your legacy the weatherby legacy kind of you know where it all started and leading up to where it is now i know i mean obviously everybody up here in canada is familiar with you know the weatherby name and 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 the guns you guys you guys offer but uh sure. you know myself i i don't know the whole story i know a little bit of it and i'm sure there's a lot of uh folks that are, are like me i'll go back to the beginning i guess yeah awesome <laughs> back to beginning before we were alive uh, yeah well that's kind of that's kind of yeah. what i'm curious about is you know yeah. i i know i you know just from listening to other podcasts i know yeah you know, your story and, and how you got involved, but uh, you know, there might be people who don't know that. So I was kind of th- hoping maybe you can just kind of, you know, start from the beginning and leading up to, uh, up to where we are now. Yeah, you bet. You know, uh, you know, my grandpa Roy Weatherby officially started the company in 1945 in, in uh, Southern California in the Los Angeles area when it was a lot different than it is today, 76 years later, as you can imagine. And so, you know, he had a passion for high velocity, uh, when it comes to cartridges. And so he, he, um, 
you know, really was a tinkerer and a, and a thinker and an innovator, an entrepreneur. Um, he was from Kansas, a poor farm boy, moved out to California with my grandma, sold grandma's family farm to help kind of start the business. But initially it wasn't a business, it was a hobby, you know, for him uh, as a hand loader and a wildcatter, you know, uh, uh, you know, really fire forming cartridges and trying to just get uh, as much velocity as he could out of cartridges. And so, you know, that, that started in, in uh, in 1945 officially but really it was the early 40s is when he is when he started and then right at the kind of close of the second world war he he set up shop there and and kind of being in california really uh got to know a lot of people there and a lot of celebrities uh you know that that were there that at the time 75 years ago were outdoorsmen or hunters or shooters and so really kind of leveraged a lot of those relationships and really just built a brand and from ammo it went to rifles and from rifles it went to shotguns and and uh you know kind of just really snowballed snowballed from there and uh you know he passed away in 1988 my dad ran the company a second generation uh you know for a few decades really towards the end of my grandpa's life in the 80s 90s 2000s uh and um you know did that i officially took over i think as ceo in january of 17 uh, so coming up on five years, uh, being in the third generation. So um, obviously there's a lot of details there. In fact, there's been books that have been written on the details, but this <laughs> yeah. here today, I, I moved the company out here a few years ago, my wife and I to Wyoming from California um, in 2018 and 2019, built a brand new facility here. And so after being in California for 70 something years, we we moved out out here and and uh, obviously it's just a very business friendly, very, very firearm friendly, uh, you know, state out here for us to do business. We're at the feet of the bighorns here. I mean, we got all big game Western hunting, you know, I mean, from elk and, you know, mule deer and moose and antelope and whitetail and everything within, you know, 50 miles of where I'm sitting. So we're kind of in the heart of, of what we do. We have a great team and uh, really just growing by leaps and bounds here in the past few years since we've moved. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, from what I know of California, it's a little more uh, ungun friendly, I'll say. Is that what yeah. kind of drove the moves? That was one of many things. It's, it's not very business friendly. It's not very tax friendly. Uh, it's not friendly towards employers in general. Uh, it's not friendly towards guns. Uh, the cost of living is high taxation is high on, uh, yeah, there's, uh, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of say we ran from the, the state that had the worst taxes for an employer or an employee to the most tax friendly state. Uh, we, we left, uh, really what's the worst state as far as giving us, uh, you know, freedom for, you know, to earn our right to bear arms to, you know, more guns per capita in Wyoming in a very, very, very friendly state there. We went from the most populous state at, I think there's as many in California as you got in your whole country. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then, you know, we're at the least populous state, less than Alaska. I mean, we're at 600,000. So we really left and, and just found the opposite uh, and left the craziness and out here in paradise. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I bet I've never had the opportunity to go to Wyoming, but some of the pictures I see, it's pretty amazing place yeah it's it is amazing uh, a lot of great hunting down here so yeah but so we're uh all your employees on board with with making the leap uh no no we uh um 
Not at all. I mean, it was, you know, it's a big it's a thousand mile move yeah, from the coast of California out to the frozen frozen <laughs> yeah. land out here. So no, we, we left behind a lot of great people, you but did, hired, yeah. you know, we, we brought some great people with us too. And then we're able to hire up a new fresh team to join, you know, some of our experienced people. So it's, it, it ended up being a good blend in the end, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's, you know, for Californians, it's, you know, you're used to that weather. It's definitely, yeah. it's a change I imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what was hunting like for you this year? You know, I did, uh, I stayed in Wyoming probably first year in a long time where, in the fall, back in the spring, I did an Idaho bear hunt, did some out-of-state stuff. But this fall, I'm trying to think here before I say it, exclusively Wyoming, So, uh, which was kind of fun. Um, you know, last year I did Alaska moose and, you know, just some different things. So this year to be uh, just down here and with Canada being pretty shut down for us here the past couple of years, uh, long story short, did, did a Wyoming hunt. So a lot of Wyoming hunting, which was great. Um, started the season off mid-September, did a mule deer hunt out the western part of the state and that was a horseback diy kind of national forest deal uh, with a buddy i've hunted with the last couple of years out there and uh that was a outstanding hunt ended up shooting a, a velvet mule deer buck a little oh. over 30 inches wide and wow. uh during rifle season because it was mid-september um and uh so that was a, just a beautiful really fun hunt yeah but have you ever been up to canada to hunt yeah yep yep sure have yeah i've uh, hunted Northern BC. Um, yeah. And then, uh, well, did Northwest territories, did doll hunt there. And so, yeah, a little bit of hunting up there. Um, Good Good for uh, you. Where were you at in BC? Uh, hunted moose and elk. Oh, you did. eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moose and elk. Yep. So yeah, I want to get up there and get a goat. I haven't got a mountain goat yet. So I got, uh, got mountain goat on the list and think it'd be fun to head up there and i'm a private pilot too so i thought you know just being here in wyoming i could kind of put over the border go up there yeah. go goat hunting or something and not have to mess with commercial and all that stuff would be kind of fun so yeah sail right in there get up on the northern coast you get some big billies up there exactly now where are you at kevin i'm in uh Kelowna, which is on like the southeastern okay part of the province the warmer part um but i i spent 25 years up on okay the, the north coast not far from alaska so cool that's cool. Yeah, That's... I did. Uh, well, familiar with the ocean and uh, yeah. had a lot of hunting opportunity up there. Some, most of it, I didn't take advantage of enough while I was up there. Mm. Regret. Yeah, it, but I mean, That's it's not far happened, away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're young and yeah, you don't realize the uh, yeah the opportunities you have. But uh, you know, yeah. it, luckily enough, it's it's not that far away. So, yeah. but yeah, back to my hunting season, and then ended up shooting a. Uh, shooting a good bull elk, uh, in October. Um, so that was actually for a film. There's a elk documentary that's supposed to air maybe next fall. The, um, the, uh, outdoor and sportsman's channel, I think it'll be airing on Peterson's hunt and it's putting it on and it's an hour long elk documentary. And kind of my hunt was a kind of a part where, uh, kind of helping uh, host that, that deal. So went out kind of with that film crew and Shot a big old bull. He was all busted off. His main beam broken on one side. In fact, the three biggest bulls we saw all had busted main beams this year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, but he's an Mixing old bull. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. And shot a, shot a nice antelope goat, uh, antelope buck out here. So, um, yeah, that was good. My son got his first elk. So that was pretty exciting. Shot a big bull with wow. it busted on one side too. So it's the year of busted bulls down here in Wyoming for some reason. But um, ended up he'd been out been out a few years with him. He's 19 and finally got his first bull. So that was kind of fun. And 
Um, yeah, did a lot of hunt with my wife and then some different families, some different friends and going to take my nephew out next week, whitetail hunting around here. He's 12 to get his first buck. And so, yeah, just a lot of hunting here in Wyoming been fun. Yeah. That's cool. How old's your, uh, your son that got the elk? 19. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. My son, uh, he turns 10 in a couple of weeks and here huh? in BC, you're allowed to, as soon as you turn 10, you're allowed to go right your, your, uh, your hunting, your course. So yeah. He's that's chomping cool. at the bit. Yeah. That's cool. Most stuff you gotta be 12 down here, but oh, yeah. Be fun. yeah, it used to be 12 up here as well, but then they they changed huh. it. Oh, that's cool. Huh. Yeah. So he's looking huh. into that. So hmm. that's fun. I need to uh I need to get him a rifle. You got any suggestions? Well, yeah, it depends on how much he's growing. Like I, I bought my son his first shotgun when he was 10, and then by the time he was 12, I bought him a youth one, and he was like they're already outgrown it, you know. So yeah. it's always that do you buy him a gun for two seasons or do you just get him into something bigger? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, that's one of the neat things about Weatherby. I think, uh, you know, it'll be something he can pass on to his kid. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, we got a, a Vanguard compact rifle, you know, in some different calibers, but, uh, um, you know, like I said, it just depends on, depends on how, how, how tall he is now, how long his arms are and all that kind of stuff. Or do you just get him into something that has a little longer length of pole and then, you know, he grows into it in a couple of years. My son, like I'm only five, nine, but my son's like six, three or something. So oh, he's yeah. like taller than me by the time he was 13, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's one thing you never know the, you know, uh, mm -hmm. my nephew there within a, a year, he grew six inches. So it's oh, just, geez. uh, yeah. <laughs> huh. what about caliber? What kind of caliber you think, uh, would be, well, what are you going to be, what do you think you'll be hunting here the next few years? Uh, deer, I think mostly, uh, I mean, obviously right away, you ask him, what do you want to hunt right away? He says he wants to get a bear. Oh, geez. <laughs> he wants for, he wants for mule deer, whitetail. He wants to get an elk, a moose. It, yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. My son was, you know, he's got a bear and a mountain lion and kind of some about young guys like to get predators and stuff too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, uh, you know, maybe in the spring he can, uh, he can come out with me for, you know, we'll try to see if we can find a, a, a spring bear, a small spring bear, and then probably mm -hmm. just uh, a deer, I think, in the, for the first couple of years before we yeah. cut his teeth on, on elk hunting and, and the, you know, the kind of the back style or backpack style hunts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, caliber wise is tough. It's tough always to do an all in one. It's, it's, you know, type of thing. If you want to, if you're talking bear and elk down to whitetail or something, it's, I mean, you can you know, for sure. But, uh, um, you know, I tend to go a little, I tend to usually go a little heavier and a little faster, um, myself just cause, mm -hmm. um, you know, nothing more discouraging for a new hunter to win something or, you know, whatever too. And just to have, you know, we're kind of a high velocity based company anyway. So we, we tend to pack a little bit more punch than the average guy. And, you know, there's a little more flexibility for a kid too, that might be nervous that doesn't put it in the exact right spot the first time. Um, Usually the more energy you got, the little more room, room for air, margin for air, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, but then you have the recoil and the flinching and all that kind of stuff, you know, too. So it's hard to kind of find a, find a thing like, you know, we have this, uh, six, five RPM we came out with here a couple of years ago where it's not as fast as our six, five, 300, which is screaming fast, the fastest six, five, but it, you know, it's still hundreds of feet per second faster than a, than a Creedmoor. And, you know, I got that it's, it's legal now with the suppressor here. And so, you know, you can put a suppressor on it and, um, you know, or, or a muzzle brake certainly as well. And, you know, be able to tame something back. And as long as somebody practices with it, um, you know, you're pretty good on that stuff, but obviously for first time hunters, you know, the Creedmoor has been, 
you know, really popular these last few years. Um, but, uh, you know, as you get up into those larger animals, obviously, you know, you're a little more limited on range, being able to push out some energy out there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. You know, you're six, five, 300. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, ha that's, I've killed, uh, I took that on my goat hunt last year. Uh -huh. Yeah. How'd it work yeah. for you? man yeah the goat was 402 yards uh um, oh, wow. no problem awesome yeah. that's, that's quite the cool. gun that that thing yeah it is it can reach out there and touch stuff and it's screaming fast isn't it yeah it's yeah. crazy you know we got a thousand yard range out here and you know it's crazy when you're shooting that far just how quick that bullet gets there yeah yeah you just got to be careful i was shooting at the range and you got to check that barrel all the time because it it heats up quick but yeah it depends on what barrel what bottle do you have I have the, uh, it's the Vanguard 6.5. It's got mm. the, shit, I can't remember. It's got mm. the, it's got a fluted barrel on it. It's kind of like but a kind of thinner, kind of thinner, yeah, thinner barrel. Yeah. Really light. Like for, uh, so yeah. like on yeah. the goat trip, we were going in, yeah. you know, we we're heading into the Rockies. This yeah. rifle was awesome. I didn't even notice it in my pack. I mean, Good. yeah, it was, it worked Good. great. And I had that, I had the Vortex razor scope on it. And like I said, that, 402 yeah. yards mm -hmm. and as soon as that goat walked and walked between the trees on the side of that mountain he cool. went down that's cool yeah no that's good like you said it's a if you're going to be plinking you want to get some with a heavier barrel or a carbon fiber barrel but if you're going to be if your primary purpose is what you're doing you just you do it and you know don't fire a box at an animal and you'll probably be okay so yeah <laughs> yeah no it's uh yeah. You know, my, my cousin has, he's got the 6.5 Creedmoor and we were out shooting at the range. Yeah. But uh, that 6.5 at 300 is, yeah, it's a pretty amazing gun. It's, uh, we were shooting six, 700 yards. I was shooting and it, you know, yeah. hitting tacks out there at that yeah. range. And it's in the bullet, like the, even from up 600, like the bullet drop wasn't a lot compared to, to what no. he was shooting. I was pretty, pretty amazed. Yeah, the difference, if you're out there at 700 yards, the difference between that Creedmoor and that 65300 is substantial, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's fun. Yeah, let me know when your son's getting into something, if you're if you're looking for something or whatever. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's always, that's always fun. Get kids into it. And, and uh, I remember taking my kids out and their first big game animal each and kind of just, yeah, how exciting that is. In fact, my daughter will be back for Thanksgiving next week. She'll probably shoot a white tail and she's at college, um, but, uh, still a Wyoming resident and stuff. And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, there's nothing quite like it. So no, there isn't. It's great when you can take all, yeah. take the whole family. We're just out yeah. like the whole family. We get opportunities like that all the time and we're pretty, pretty yeah. blessed, but that's a cool yeah. thing about hunting is, is you get the opportunity to do that. Yeah. See some, see some cool wild country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. So surprisingly you weren't always part of the, uh, the Weatherby um business you you had uh you you were a, a man of the church for a while weren't you yeah yeah i did yeah i kind of started out um uh early on um you know with the company and and uh worked my way through some different departments at weatherby and kind of going that route and then yeah i left for a number of years from a professional standpoint at weatherby and and uh went into full-time ministry and was a youth pastor for most of that and um, you know, so did, did youth ministry and really just kind of had a passion to help young people, uh, you know, find the Lord, find their calling in life and direction and, and, uh, especially with breakdown in families and so many different things. So just really pursued 
my passion along with my wife and, and doing that for a number of years. And so then a number of years came back to the, the business, but still real active in that. In fact, we planted a church here in Sheridan, Wyoming, and still something's very important to us. But um, uh, yeah, but a uh, big, big part of, big part of our past. And I think, you know, it's sometimes good for a generational family, you know, folks to, to go and do something else for a while. My dad left for about two years, you know, and then you come back and you just have this kind of renewed, uh, kind of passion for, for what you're doing and you can learn things other places. And obviously, you know, I didn't learn a lot about making guns during that time, but learned a lot about people and, uh, business, no matter what you're doing, it's a lot about people, communication, casting a vision, forming teams, all that kind of stuff is vitally important. So learned a lot about, uh, a lot about that. We got a lot of great people working for us here and of course our customers and just understanding uh, people is a big part of it. So came back really, um, yeah, really with, uh, the ability to be able to do those things. And now I just surround myself with, um, with really smart people here that know a lot more than I do about their respective areas, whether that be accounting or marketing or engineering or manufacturing or whatever it is. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's good to just take ste- a step back and, and just take a breather and get a new perspective. And then, yeah, you know, it, it's always there. And then, yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. But wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. That's for no, sure. Exactly. Yeah. So is that, uh, how do your kids feel about, uh, living up to, you know, taking over the family legacy one day? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see. Uh, just like my dad didn't pressure me. It's, uh, you know, depend on what they want to do. They're 18 and 19. And when I was at 18 and 19, I probably changed my mind about 20 times. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, they both kind of worked at the company, you know, part-time off and on, you know, growing up a little bit and, you know, from, you know, just like my dad did and, you know, whatever, uh, being out there and, in the shop and just being a part of it. So obviously they enjoy being part of the Weatherby family, but you know, that'll um, depend on uh, what their passion is and all those things. They both like to hunt and shoot. That's for sure. So yeah, um, so that part of it's fun. So, yeah. So what's uh, you guys got any new cool? Uh, well, actually I had a question for you. How, how has COVID affected, um, you know, your guys' supply chain and making, making these, making your guns and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's done two things. We got an all time high demand, so, you know, record, record breaking sales. It's funny. Everybody I asked that's in, you know, the, the outdoor industry, yes. they just say, man, it's COVID came and we, we were just like, oh, what's going to happen? They're just nervous. And then all of a sudden it was just the exact opposite. Yep. Yep. So record breaking sales combined by record breaking, you know, global supply chain disaster. So it's, uh, it's all about making a quality product, uh, you know, with, uh, with the cards that you're dealt. And so, yeah. Um, it keeps us really busy, but, you know, we're doing really well and we're growing and, um, you know, so we're, we're trying to wrestle with uh, the challenges that are out there, you know, shipping and, um, you know, just raw components and lead times and tooling and you name it. There's uh, there's issues on it that's out there that that every manufacturer is uh, is obviously facing. And uh, so we're not, you know, in some stuff we import. Obviously, that's a disaster right now with ports. And so it uh, it's definitely challenging. At the same time, we're still shipping out a record number of firearms and ammo. So it feels like we're leaving so much on the table and we're not servicing our customers and getting stuff quick enough. But the demand is so high right. um, that uh, we're falling short of reaching, you know, fulfilling our demand. But we're still shipping out way more than we did in 20 and more in 20 than we did in 19. So it's like, uh, you know, got at the end of the year ago, Hey, we did our darndest and, and, uh, you know, worked hard to get a quality product out. And that's the thing. We're not going to ever compromise that. So, um, you know, we gotta, it's not like we're going to ditch some supplier and go with somebody else. Cause they're not delivering and 
you know, so it's, it's at the same time, you know, it's tempting for a lot of folks to do that right now. And we got 75 years of a brand to kind of protect the reputation of. So it's uh, still a quality product trying to get it out. So we're managing it. Um, It seems challenging when you look at it, when you show up here every day and try to kind of figure it out. When I look back at the year, I go, man, that was a heck of a year. Um, So, you know, so you got to keep your, keep your mind on the big picture. I mean, you know, like with the ammo stuff, it's like, we've shipped out way more ammo this year than we ever have. And I mean, but still everybody's upset. They can't find ammo for their gun. So it's going somewhere, you know, people are, Oh, well, you're not servicing your cut. It's like, we're shipping out way more than we ever have before. (laughs) And it's not on any shelves anywhere. So I don't know where it's going, but it goes out my back door to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retailers throughout the world. And it's going somewhere. (laughs) It's crazy. There's, somebody's got to be stockpiling it somewhere. I don't it's, know. You know, it's a little bit of everybody, you know, with the ammo thing, everybody that that's gone and then went, wow, I, I might've not been able to get ammo for hunting season. And so what they're doing yeah. is a guy who might've bought two, three or four boxes is now buying eight, 10 or 12. And they're, mm-hmm. they're not a hoarder by nature, but in our nature, if we go and we go down to our local sporting goods store and we go three, four times and it's not there, you show up once and it's there. Uh, you're going to buy two to three times as many boxes. And so you times that times the entire population and you're getting what you're getting. (laughs) Yeah. That's my dad to a T. He's just like, Oh, (laughs) I got to go buy, you know, he's got a lot of guns. He's like, I got to buy, you don't even shoot those guns. What? No, you never know. I got to go. I got to buy them. I got to, I got to stock up. Mm. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, your guys's process for the for your gun manufacturing is it all done in-house you said you 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 get some stuff shipped in but what's yeah it's everything from doing a little bit of everything to bringing stuff in that's done and so it totally depends on depends on the product uh you know what we're doing here part of our strategy in moving to wyoming was to do uh more and more uh here in-house and in wyoming and just being in a business-friendly environment lends us to doing that um so you know each year that we've been here really almost every quarter we're, we're bringing things uh bringing things in house and, and doing it here so our manufacturing continues to uh to grow here um you know based on what we were uh, doing before so we're loading more ammo now we're doing a lot more machining um and, and all sorts of different uh different things uh we're making carbon fiber stocks uh you know a lot more paint and finishing we do all our seracoding in-house so you know it just depends on what the process is certain things that we we do here, certain things we don't like right now for the Mark fives, we don't make our triggers. We buy that up from you guys in Canada from uh, oh, yeah. trigger tech. And so, um, you know, so we don't, don't do, don't make the triggers. We rely on an expert to do that. So it really depends on the the part in the uh, you know, the, the firearm, you know, what our costs are, what the quality is from our vendors and all those kind of things. So. Yeah. So you said you make a lot of carbon with carbon fiber stocks. Is that something um that you do you think you make more carbon fiber stocks now than wood stocks because i mean your wood stocks especially on like your mark 5 deluxe model my 378 has a stock in man oh you got a 378 okay yeah yeah no yeah we uh you know carbon fiber polymer fiberglass in rifles accounts for probably 90 percent wow is that something that was hard for you guys to get into what's that was that something hard for you guys to get into the whole manufacturing of carbon? Yeah. Fiber I mean, that's more start? recently, you know, we've historically purchased them from other people and then we, uh, we decided to make them on our own. And so that's part of moving here too, is, is, um, is, uh, you know, bringing on a lot more engineers and getting a lot more talent in house that are 
able to really push for some innovation, which has been cool. So we still have some quality partners and different sort of composite, uh, you know, type of things. And then uh, some of it we do in-house kind of depends on the price point, depends on the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's every time you do something like that, it's it's quite an endeavor to to do that for sure. And, you know, there's still a spot for wood stocks, but, you know, we, with the both weight and uh, durability and different things, obviously customers have kind of, you know, just kind of reframed their purchasing habits. And I think historically, obviously they, you know, look to Weatherby and people would think, you know, 80% of our business is wood stocks or something in rifles. And it's like, well, no, it's, uh, you know, it's changed quite a bit. Um, there's still a, still a great space and area for it, but I mean, you know, you can imagine, you know, you're up there in BC and you're in inclement weather and your rocks and timber and all sorts mm-hmm. of things hunting in. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's become more and more popular. We yeah. we're making a carbon fiber stock now that, um, with the recoil pad and everything's 20 ounces. So, oh, wow. Yeah, super light. Yeah, that's that's again back to that six five three hundred. That that gun was so light; it was it was awesome. Because the year before that, um, on when we we were up in the Rockies, I took my uh, seven millimeter, and that's a savage. And I I remember packing that thing around, being like, and I always had to adjust and switch it around mm-hmm. my pack. And you know, it, it's not bad for a day or two, but when you're on those seven ten day hunts mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a little bit adds a lot by the end of the, by the end of the week or so. So yeah, no, it does. Great gun. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's cool. Yeah. That six, that uh, 378 I bought um, when I first started putting in for my uh, Grizzly LEH. I started putting in for that in two, uh, mm. 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately I yeah. never got a draw. And then now here in BC, we can't. Yeah. Not, right. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Grizzly. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's a that's a boomstick. That one, yeah, it is. That thing will be, yeah, that thing will punch you hard in the shoulder, won't it? Yeah, yeah. It don't. Uh, I don't shoot that very often. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you don't go down the range and just kind of plink on the Saturday. <laughs> no, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I uh, my dad wanted to shoot it because he's a you know he's got no dozens of of your guys's rifles. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a big weatherby man and. He shot it once and he sat down and shot it. He shot guns his whole life, right? Big guns. And mm-hmm. he shot it and he just got up, walked back to the truck and sat in the back seat and you didn't hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't think he was yeah. expecting that. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. What do you, yeah, no, it's a great grizzly. It'd be a great grizzly gun though, for sure. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just unfortunate the way politics are and, uh-huh. I, I don't think I'll ever get a chance, at least not here in BC, to hunt uh to hunt grizzly. I'll have to yeah. go up to the Yukon. Yeah. See my yeah. friends up there and get the opportunity. Mm. Unless yeah. you know, unless something unfortunate happens and sure uh a grizzly yeah. bear ends up downtown Vancouver where all the mm-hmm. all the politics and the decisions are made. <laughs> I don't think we'll get it back. Yeah. Huh. So uh you guys got anything neat, new, exciting coming out? Um, you know, for, um, we did a couple, couple months ago, we, we kind of relaunched a lot of our Mark fives, our backcountry and backcountry carbon. It's our 2.0 mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we got, you know, some backcountry guns now with under five pounds. It'll make your Vanguard you have seem heavy. So, uh, with some oh. new carbon fiber stuff. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. I mean, in the six, five, 300, it'd be, uh, it'd be uh, just a hair under six pounds. Wow. Wow. Um, so. Have you guys seen a lot of that? You know, the demand, the demand oh, yeah. 
for you know yeah. kind of the shifting on uh-huh. of the tide you know in terms of hunting now i know you yeah. see a lot more guys into the you know the backpack style hunting and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing so have you seen a demand you know kind of yes. sway that way very much so and then kind of with our products and the the um uh, you know what really kind of with our and with that backcountry gun that we have with our five backcountry or backcountry titanium backcountry carbon whatever that family you know being able to both get velocity and ultra lightweight kind of in one package because there's some light guns out there but you know they shorten the barrels to 18 inches they're real mm-hmm. small calibers and uh, then you give up some of your ballistic advantage and so we've really kind of have a niche for hitting that uh, being able to put some energy out there far in a lightweight package and it's doing phenomenally well for us yeah cool uh, cool. What what about the? Is there still a demand for you know the traditional the traditional calibers um, that you guys? Oh, have? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. No, totally. And it it yeah. No, there there definitely is. Um, you know, everybody kind of has their yeah. It you know different mindset on that. So yeah, we sell. You know, in the Vanguard line, we tend to sell more of the standard ones. In the Mark Five, we tend to sell a little bit more of the Weatherby. Uh, cartridges just kind of based on the price point and just mark five being kind of our classic line that we do in-house here we'll see more weatherby calibers there but i mean the vanguard yeah i mean a lot of seven rims and a lot of 300 wins a lot of six five creed more and all that kind of stuff yeah so the mark fives you guys tend to stick to your ammo a little more well we i mean we 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 have them all it, it just depends on i mean we allow the customer to decide that. So in right. other words, gotcha. but yeah. I'm saying customer demand wise percentage right. okay. on the Mark five mm-hmm. is higher, whether be less standard and on the Vanguard, it's a little bit opposite. And part of that's ammo availability and price. And we understand box six, five Creedmoor, you can find about anywhere, 300 wind mag and, you know, you can get cheaper and from a number of brands. So we understand that, you know? Um, so. Yeah. What's uh, what's been the best selling item in the last couple of years for you? That backcountry I was talking about in our Mark V by far um, yeah. on the Mark V line on the Vanguard, it's actually been the Meat Eater Vanguard special was our oh, number okay. one Vanguard this past year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, you guys were working with them. What caliber is that coming? Any caliber of those? Uh, several of them. Yeah, several? several. Some Weatherby, some standard stuff. So, you know, I, I offhand, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'd have to get on our website, yeah, but yeah. I don't know, no, at least okay. a half a dozen or more. Um, but, you know, from 300 Wind Mag, but we do 300 Weatherby Mag, you know, and we do 6.5 Creedmoor. We do a little bit of everything, but we have it in 257. But that's done real well. And in our Vanguard line, kind of the sweet spot on that for us, we hit that price point where, like, say on that Meat Eater gun, it's it's a Vanguard sub MOA, et cetera. And, you know, but it's got a spiral fluted barrel. It's got, you know, it's threaded on the muzzle. It's Cerakoted. It's got kind of a custom stock. And so kind of featuring, you know, up there and whether we doesn't, we don't really play at that, you know, in, in, in the U S really much at that sub $500 rifle thing. Um, there's just a lot of players in there and kind of a lot of basic guns. And, and that's great. And at that price point, there's a lot of good guns there. We just kind of like in that Vanguard line that, you know, more 500 to a thousand dollar range is a little bit more sweet yeah. spot where we find right. our customers really relate to some value added features for a few hundred more dollars. And that meat right. eater gun, I think, combined with obviously, you know, Ranella and their their group, you know, and, and really kind of the the um, influence that they have, just really the feature set combined with them just really made for a successful rifle. Um, you know, your grandfather, when he started, was was he very traditional in terms of you know um, oh, yeah. cartridges and stuff well not in terms of cartridges i mean because that's how the weatherby cartridges or, start yeah sorry like caliber rifles and stuff yeah so i mean he was just a high velocity freak so anything okay. he could make faster you know like 
and have more gunpowder. So efficiency wasn't the name of the game when it came to powder, you know, and that's what people even go, you know, oh, well, will it burn a barrel out? Will it do this or that? It's like, you don't buy a Ferrari because you want longevity on your tires, you know? And it's like, you know, same thing. It's like that 65300 you got. First of all, that barrel will outlast what you could afford to shoot through it over the years. And that's not what you bought it for, you know, to shoot 10,000 rounds through that gun. You went to get it to go have a lot of velocity to go smoke sheep and goat at pretty long distance. And it works yeah. out pretty good for that, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's all kind of purpose driven. And so a lot of our cartridges have been popular 257, whether it be even our 3378. I mean, that's the fastest 30 cal that's out there. So, you know, my grandpa was real, he was traditional in the look of the gun. Yeah. Um, but you know, he died in 88. So really before kind of the modern craze of a lot of composites came on, but uh, he liked the, obviously the very traditional, high gloss blue, you know, the high gloss, you know, varnish on the stock, you know, kind mm-hmm. of that custom ornate carvings and engravings and those sorts of things. And in fact, when my dad, 1983, we came out with the fiber mark. It was our first, it was the first fiberglass kind of really non-wood production thing on a bolt action gun. And we were one of the ones that kind of first came out with it. And my grandpa told my dad it was ugly and it wouldn't sell because oh. he was traditional. Yeah. And then after the first year, my grandpa and saw the sales, my grandpa goes, okay, we'll, we'll keep it in the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. How the times have changed now, eh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but see, you have to remember, my grandpa was innovative at the time. So yeah. what he was doing with the, our wood stocks and with our cartridges was progressive and innovative at the time. Yeah. So. You know, it's just, you got to remember that. So people, some of the old timers will go, well, yeah, he wouldn't like it. He was very traditional. He wasn't traditional at all. He was not traditional in the least bit, but you know, you got to remember yeah. just the innovation throughout the time changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the time. Yeah, exactly. At the time there might've been people saying, you know, that, that oh, he's not yeah. traditional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yep. Quite the story. Cool. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Uh, you know, Adam, I, I appreciate you, you taking a little time to chat with me today. I'm not going to keep this too long because I know you got tons going on and give you a little break here between your next meeting. So uh, thanks again. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, all the, obviously all the folks up here in Canada know where, you know, we can buy and find you guys. So Good. we can uh, leave that stuff out. But uh, yeah, Good. I appreciate you just t- taking a few minutes to chat with yeah. me and just uh, let all us Canadians know uh, a little bit about uh, Weatherby history and, and what you guys are up to. You bet. I look forward to getting up there north of the border here now that things are uh, hopefully letting us do that. I don't know. I don't follow the news every day. So I don't know where. Yeah, we're it's still, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, still it's, it's, yeah, who knows? It's, it's wishy washy. Eh? I mean, it's, things yeah. change so fast with this COVID. I mean, you know, yeah. we're on our way to easing some restrictions and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, we got hammered with a fourth wave and then yeah. it, uh, it, everything went back to a little more, uh, restrictions. And now with, uh, with the vaccines, we're, sh- we're, we're completely shut off from the, the coast day. Eh? So, um, mm-hmm. we can't get any of the, well, we can't get actually anything, you know, the grocery stores are, are Ooh, bare yeah. and, and all oh that st- stuff. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Huh? Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, you're not getting shipments in from like, no Vancouver and stuff. No, there's, they both roads. There's so all the access to the lower mainland, which is, you know, 90% of the shipping comes from bank, the Vancouver area. Yeah. It's completely cut off to the interior BC. So right now you go what? into a grocery store, there's no, there's no perishable items. There's no canned goods. There's no, there's no, you can't get vegetables right now. Nope. Nope. 
So yeah. What, how do you uh, eat your vegetables? How do you stay healthy? <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully like our household, we have, you know, we get enough meat in the freezer and uh, my yeah. wife, you know, we have vegetables that are frozen and canned. So wow. we're, we're good. But I mean, a lot of people that live, you know, day to day, cause a lot of people do, they just pick up some stuff on the way home from at the grocery store. Um, yeah, that's, that's you can't get anything now. You can't get any, you know, any milk, any wow. vegetables, any, any fruit. So all the perishable stuff is, it's sold out. No, and I think you can't yeah, get milk. No, <laughs> no coffee cream, no nothing. What? Not unless you got a cow or what? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're out milking your cow in the morning. No you're, way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, how long giant. do they anticipate this going for? Oh man. You know, the Coquihalla, which is the main highway to Vancouver and the lower mainland, they're expecting that to be out for months, absolute months. And, um, there's another road, another route, they have no timeline on when that's going. Is it in, in their reasoning is they think COVID's going to hop on the vegetables and the milk and make its way in? No, this is all from the flooding. It oh, washed all the, it washed the, it washed the roads out. The flooding I'm was sorry, that I bad. misunderstood that. I, I, I yeah, because yeah, we were talking about, about, yeah. About yeah. That. Oh, you're kidding me. Months. Months. Yeah. For the Coquihalla. Like there, it was pretty severe flooding there. Like Merritt, it, it completely, they had to evacuate the whole city of Merritt. It uh, it got washed right out. It's basically a river now. So, wow. So seven thousand people they got displaced from their homes, and there was uh, yeah, the flooding came quick too because there was actually two two landslides that were created from the water on the Coquihalla, and there was over a hundred people trapped in the middle of it, and oh, they had to be uh, airlifted out, and they well, still. Haven't I saw found things in the headlines there. and stuff, but I hadn't really read up on it. So yeah, oh my gosh. yeah. Can you get anything from the east? We can get stuff from the east, but um, there's just, you know, most of our resources come from like most our supply chain yeah. is primarily from Vancouver yeah. and um, like Calgary is east of us, um, but they supply a lot of other places as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, it's kind of, you know, whatever they can, you know, whatever they can afford to, oh, to go without. So, wow. Oh, man. Well, hope it goes well for you guys up there. Restoring yeah. Things. Yeah. It, that, that's, you know. Um, what I was saying earlier, it's just, it's yeah. been a hell of a year. And actually we lost yeah. a whole town this year. Linton got burnt to a, to a crisp with the forest mm. fires within yeah. about half an hour, just burnt the whole city. Mm. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so on a positive note, thanks again for, uh, yeah. for, for stopping by. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. You bet. Okay. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Kevin. We'll yeah. see you.